everyone, I'm Petrus and welcome to Worldview. Worldview is a podcast where we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our worldview. If you've watched some of our content and liked it, please consider liking this video, subscribing and donating on Patreon. Today we're talking with David Beatty. David is husband to Karen and the father to three beautiful girls. He has 20 years of experience in the property field and is founder and managing director of Chorus Property Group, a residential property service company operating in Cape Town and Johannesburg. He founded Pocketlet, an app for landlords, and also wrote the book, The Expert Landlord, which focuses on giving expert advice on how to manage your property like a professional landlord. David is also the founder and trustee of City Hill Foundation, a trust formed to make a positive difference in communities. David, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Beatrice. So David, we, um, there's, there's like a degree and like a path to follow for pretty much anything you want to study these days. But the one thing I've never really you know, focused on or learned much about is what exactly is the path that leads to getting into the property market and, and, and doing property management? What's, what was your education like in that sense? Or is it something you get experienced by? Um, look, I mean, you can study property uh, in university. Uh, there are courses and increasingly so. Um, I didn't. I didn't go to university. Um, I studied part time. As soon as I left my, uh, as soon as I finished my trick, I started working for my dad's company, and I uh, studied marketing management part time for four years uh, via correspondence. And then I, I, re- I, it's probably in the mid '90s. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that oh, got yes. me passionate about building um, uh, income bearing assets. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another. I bought my first property in about 2000. And um, because my family is always all in their own business, my, all my uncles and aunts, um, my, uh, my, my father, um, even my mom's side of the family, um, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And ultimately, mm. I was going to have my own business. And so in 2003, I left my dad's business. I was sales and marketing director there. And um, I started uh, in property. Um, mm. And our, our business plan at the time was we in property. That literally yeah. was, and it wasn't even in writing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We started off just by managing one or two properties. We started selling. Um, our, the first property I sold was, was my parents' house. And then over, after many years, we started focusing on, on property management only. And I think it really comes down to knowing yourself um, mm-hmm. Because there's, you know, property is incredibly wide. There's a lot of things in properties, property investment, there's property services. Mm-hmm. Um, and within property services, there's numerous, numerous avenues one can go down. But for me, I found is that my strength is typically operations management and systems mm-hmm. as opposed to deal making. And so that's why I fell more into property management uh, and rental management rather than um, sales. Mm. Um, I, I was just not a natural estate agent uh, selling. Uh, I actually found it, um, it's not really me and I found it a bit boring, uh, although many people do do really well with it. And when yeah. it comes to deal making and property investing, I'm probably not the world's best uh, half-flying negotiator, but in the background, I can um, operate and uh, put systems in place uh, then to manage other people's assets. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because um, I mean, you, you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was such a formative book. And uh, we see so many people, you know, ha- after having read stuff like that or thinking about it. And, you know, they, they perhaps moved out of their first apartment that they bought because they started a family and then they start renting that apartment. It's just it's almost like um, in, in people that are fortunate enough to move around and buy property. It's almost like a type of a lifestyle that they get used to where they 
you know, get properties and start managing it and then rentaling it and all the challenges come with it. And some people just seem to thrive like uh, with it like you do. Um, and you've expanded that into um, Chorus Property Group as, as the managing director, I mean, in terms of your current occupation. Um, do you have any notable properties list, listed there? Or, or rather, let me better ask, what exactly is Chorus Property Group? Chorus Property Group is that um, uh, we provide world-class property management services and rental management services to to landlords and tenants across Cape Town and Johannesburg. And uh, we're really passionate about just providing homes for tenants and you know, decent homes for tenants, and also the best possible returns for landlords in their property mm. investments. Um, and we're operating uh, across Cape Town and mainly in the affordable housing sector in Johannesburg. Um, and uh, you know, we, we do do some property sales as well, although we're not a lot into that. And we do do quite a lot, increasingly so, sexual title management. Um, we manage uh, quite a few sexual title blocks, and um, that's where most of our growth is. Um, and we, at one stage, we're managing close to 2,000 uh, resi uh, residential units. Um, that's excluding the sexual title management blocks that we're, we're managing. Hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming there's, um, this is just something that I'm curious about. I'm assuming there's a bit of a trend between, you know, when renting is popular and when selling is popular. Um, are those two mutually exclusive or does it really um, more, you know, go about, uh, is it rather more about uh, what type of uh, people are selling, the, are selling their houses? What type of renting? Yeah, look, I think the, the, clever, the people that are cleverer than me um, uh, look at macro trends and, and so forth. And there definitely are yeah. macro trends. And, um, but I, I, I've typically said, I mean, we went through the, 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 the boom days of 2007, 2008. We went mm. to the bus days uh, shortly after that. And uh, property rentals, in my view, was always, you just had to make sure you gave a better service um, mm. to than anyone else. And property rentals wasn't really, we weren't really that affected. The sales, our sales business went from, from zero to zero within six months. Um, yeah. But our rental business pretty much stabilized. Um, mm. And so from a macro trend perspective, there are, um, there are trends when it comes to opportunities to be a rental agent or not to be a rental agent. Um, but in my view, more important, I think, is your personal focus and your, your, um, your acumen and your, and your skill set and to focus mm. on that. Um, mm. But quite frankly, right now, the rental market, uh, this, um, in the past probably 12 months, um, the rental market, and this is pre-COVID, the rental market has is, is been the worst in 20 years by far. It's the oh, really? most challenging market to, to work in, um, mm. mainly, uh, and, the, and the sales market wasn't that great either. Um, mm. One of the reasons why the rental market now in the last few months is, has been tough is because the, the average tenant, or more like an average to upper grade tenant, is looking to buy rather than to rent. And that's okay. less the, the volume of, of potential tenants. And that's yeah. for the first time probably in 20 years that where it's been a real, it's been a very, very real factor for us. Um, mm. But the, the other main trend is because the average tenant is is suffering so much economically. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, we we see this we see this trend especially at um, at places that have beach houses uh, like Betty's Bay and Hamanas and so. It's like when economic times are tough, you see a lot of for sale signs in front of beach houses because that's the first asset that people don't want to manage anymore, don't want to pay the taxes on anymore, and they need the capital to survive economically with. So that's that's yep. interesting. And funny enough, what's happening in the opposite trend in the last six months since COVID is people are working from home. And so country towns are actually doing, a, uh, you know, not as doing as flat as, as you would want to imagine for them to oh, be. Really? So it's, it's, it's super interesting how many different trends affect the market. 
Um, but if I, as, a, as a property investor, I would definitely look at trends and, and buy at certain times or sell at certain times. But as a property mm -hmm. services professional, um, it's good to be aware of the trends so that I'll change mm -hmm. my strategies. But other than that, we've got to survive and thrive anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, everybody did differently in this time. So let, let's talk a bit about um, the City Hill Foundation. Yeah. Uh, this is a group, uh, sorry, this is a trust rather, that's formed to make a positive difference in communities. Um, mm -hmm. How exactly does it operate? How exactly does this, this is, you know, fulfill this positive um, difference in the communities? I mean, if I can be personal as to how, to, uh, how I actually, um, how it started, was yes. I got a revelation by looking at, um, looking at a picture of a city you know, the normal skyline and right. focusing within that and you're seeing the death and destruction and, and poverty. And I mean, we work a lot in, mm. in the Jobbik um, CBD. Right. And you see the brokenness and depression and um, uh, you see the realness of life there. And, and, that's, mm. and that, that is a, the kind of life that, that those in, in our kind of circle more than likely don't see. But in fact, yeah. it is the majority of communities uh, in our country. And I think, it's, I think yeah. it's important for us to be aware of that in that the environment that we live in is incredibly privileged um, mm. and, uh, and we're fortunate. Um, but so, so I, I got a revelation of seeing of, of how to uh, service and assist organizations and MPOs to be able to, to work in those environments and to work in that brokenness to then for it to become whole. So mm. it's almost like the City Hall Foundation wants to be a bridge between this brokenness and, and wholeness. And a lot of it mm. is family structures, um, it's uh, you, you know it's dealing with um, uh, abortion, not abortion, yeah. but um, uh, or uh, adoption issues. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, fatherless homes and those yeah. kind of things. To, the vision is really to um, is to build communities by uh, financing and assisting organisations that are already in those spaces. So that's mm. a long term vision um, mm. as to you know, and the vision is really redeeming communities through the right practical activities and service. Um, yeah. And that's really, it was called City Hill Foundation because that, that's um, scripture where it says, uh, City on a Hill, yes. um, by your works you shall know them um, and mm. glorify God. And so the, really it's those are, the two, those are the two pillars is through practical service and um, through that practical service is um, one can see, um, uh, see the good works and glorify God. Mm -hmm. And, it's, and it's, it's so incredibly important because in so many situations, the, 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 the societal issues that you now mentioned, um, having a stable home, having a, uh, you know, a sensible and, and reasonable financial solution to having a home that you can live in provides incredible stability to a family. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you know, providing this type of difference in a community probably came with a bunch of stories, uh, hopefully, hopefully like a couple of thank you notes. Do you have any notable stories um, about the City Hill Foundation and some success stories. I mean, it, it's quite varied. I mean, the, the two the two main ones was that um, in my um, in my kids' school in grade one, there's um, the school that my, my girls were at um, is very broadly based on a social economic level, and mm. and especially in grade one and that kind of level, a lot of the kids are needing um, extra support, um, mm. and so we provided some equipment for the kids that couldn't afford to go to the relevant professionals. Because, mm. you know, as much as it's extremely expensive for us to take our kids there, we, we, we still take our kids to um, the psychologists or, um, you know, the different kind of professionals that help with, with that. But those kids mm. couldn't. Um, and even when it comes to pencil holders or the kind of things that you put in your seats, yeah. we provided that kind of equipment in, in, the, grade, uh, in the grade one classes. And another mm. one on a very personal level was um, 
there's a chap that we know, Umfi, who's um, we financed uh, to go to a um, is to go to Parktown Boys High, and um, he got a rugby scholarship to go there. Uh, he's just an incredible rugby player, but he's not only a very, very talented rugby player, he's just an incredible young man who's grown tremendously. And he's actually mm. discipled uh, and mentored by um, my actual fellow trustee. Um, mm. And uh, we, we financed him to actually go to the boarding house so that he could be in the maximum, the best environment because his home environment, mm. although his mother's great, it's, it's, not, it's quite far from the school and so forth. So for him to be a weekly boarder meant that he can really kind of uh, maximize his potential. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we'll continue to finance him and we trust him. we're hoping to build, uh, build that out further as well. But it's just an incredible, um, I, I think if we can say to young men like this, um, I think in many years time, you've almost, he's almost like could be another Sia Khaleesi kind of guy. Mm. That's, that's, that's really cool. Do, do you operate mainly, because I'm assuming there's, there's an extremely good, um, extremely high amount of need for this type of foundation in the Johannesburg area and other metropolitan areas. Uh, where exactly do you operate mostly? Uh, it's mainly in mainly in Johannesburg at the moment. Look, mm. we we still we're still building a story, still building our financing. Okay. So you know we we're still relatively um, s- s- small days. One mm. of the challenges we've got is to focus. Um, and I mean, there's so so much need out there, um, and there's a lot of good organisations. But but our our real um, discovery, our journey of discovery, is to find out where are those niches that we should be focusing on. At, at present, we feel that our three main areas are families and develop family mm. development, uh, it's church planting and itinerant minis- uh, missionaries. And then yeah. um, I think there's systemic issues in, in, in our society. So reconciliation, yeah. restitution and social justice. I know that's a, it's a bit of a contentious term, but I do mm. think that's an elephant in the room, which, which we, uh, we need to be aware of and, yeah. um, and, and to see where we can assist with that as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and address it definitely. Um, so I, I, I wanted to pivot back a bit more to the renting business. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know, you know, a couple of families just in my group, it's a very small sample size, but, you know, for the more privileged um, families, we often have like an extra room or, you know, maybe an apartment in the back that, that you know, that's a bit empty for most of the time. And a lot of people, they don't really, they don't really want to rent out because there's a lot of hassle that comes with renting, mm-hmm. you know, being a landlord, you know, maintaining it, oh, okay, the people you know, are they going to pay their rent? Uh, what type of, uh, you know, services do I need to repair things when it gets broken? Like you, you're providing a service, so there's a bunch of responsibility that comes along with it. Um, you founded uh, Pocketlet, which is an app for landlords. Um, mm-hmm. Could you describe how that app functions and the functionality or, or, or the service that it provides? So what I did, um, I believe that every landlord can be an expert if they just have the right tools and information. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that sounds a bit motivational and rah-rah, but... Um, it's not that complicated. The challenge with rental management is that we only try and find a tenant once a year, maybe once every two years. Mm, ideally. So it's not that we do it, we don't do it that often. So we drive a car every day or a few times a day. So, but we were driving a car once a year. Um, yeah. I think it would probably be more of a challenge. Um, yeah. And uh, property management is not rocket science. So what we want to do is provide, can you manage your, uh, your property off your cell phone? Um, and that's kind of the vision, managing your mm. property off your, off your mobile device efficiently and effectively. Um, so I'm sitting in bed one day uh, in the evening and I'm, instead of going on Facebook, I'm, um, I'm just checking my property and, and organizing my property management. That's a vision. Um, it's still under development. We, we, we're kind of getting some legs with it at the moment. I've got some partners on board mm-hmm. on, on the tech side. Um, and, um, but I, 
our first free product is actually a rental val uh, evaluation tool. So you can actually value, um, check out your value uh, of your property uh, for free. And we're also mm. developing, uh, which will more than likely be free as well, is a tool for um, uh, determining, it's a price valuation tool. So it will give you a, yeah. an estimate for the price of the property that you want to purchase. And it will then put in the figures and give you some kind of rental return or, or investment return on that. And then um, probably the first purchasable product we, we're looking at, um, which should be done in the next few months, um, the back-end tech is actually done. It's just a question of coordinating with the different property right. portals. To actually coordinate is to, because there's a whole lot of property portals that one can market your property on. What we want, we want to do is make it easier for landlords to put it on one portal and then it automatically goes to all the main portals in the country. Um, mm. And that's what we're working on at the moment. You know, future products that we'll do is um, rent billing, you know, tenant mm. communication, maintenance mm. uh, communication, uh, uh, mm. inspection software, and so forth. Mm. Um, but yeah. 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 I mean, from from my background, I'm I'm a, I'm a educated in data science, and seeing this as a data problem is so incredibly attractive, and almost want to say very popular at the moment. So it's very much of a buzzword at the moment. You know, people thinking like, okay, this is a data problem. If we just have enough data about how much my property is worth and how much the tenant will spend on it, then I can make this an economically viable sense. But all the joking aside, that's actually incredibly true. It's like it's it's easier than and than. You know, it's easier than people think in terms of if you have that thing, you can have a reasonable price. People won't feel cheated. You know, they don't have a disproportionate idea of what their property is worth. And then you'll get proper tenants and you'll get proper management for it. So I think there's a real market for this. And, and, and apps has just become a way that people really easily use to do professional services with, even though it's something that people might consider as an informal, you know, managing a business on your phone. It's like, no, that's not the case anymore. It's like managing a business on your phone is the new it, it's the future of it. So there's a very interesting connotation there. It, it, yeah, it looks really interesting. Um, there is a situation though in uh, South Africa where there's a couple of different scenarios, but we kind of see, um, I watched an economics explained video about this, where we have uh, basically all of the more privileged um, in, uh, communities are creating or rather buying into new property developments, which mm -hmm. are um, estates. So uh, not, it's not only real estate, it's, it's states now. It's like it's a walled off community. It's, it's a bubble there. And especially in, in areas like Somerset West, we just see these exploding um, across you know, the countryside all the way to Solaris Pass. Um, what would you think about the current uh, political environment creating these estates? Or do you think it's more societal community environment? Um, and do you see the property prices eventually rising again to the point where it doesn't include like just levies and everything uh, on top of these estates? Sure, that's a multi multi level question. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I could go on a couple of tangents. First of all, in this political situation in this country, look, I have, let me put frank, I have no um, fleshly hope for this country at all. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm reading a book at, um, as on, on Africa at the moment and how the resources are looted. And systemically, when it mm. comes to multinationals and the brokenness of man, um, there's, there's not a lot of um, initial answers to these problems. Um, but mm. that doesn't mean that, they, that we don't fight hard to, to create problems, uh, you know, to create solutions for these problems. So mm. um, if we were to wait for the political situation to change in this country, I, th I, think, I think kind of we're wasting our time. We're going to be waiting a long time. Mm. Um, I, the, I'm very passionate about the housing problem in, in, this, uh, in this continent. Um, it's the, 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 the developments that you see in Somerset West and you see a lot of it in West Rand and Joburg and in Midrand and, and Four Ways and so forth, 
that is just a, a drop in the ocean of the need that's actually needed for housing. Um, right. And the Bourne project um, you, you mentioned is, is a great example of a public-private uh, partnership where I think that's mm. needed a lot more. So mm. what the government is doing is providing um, social housing um, uh, possibilities. So you, you know, to go into the social housing level um, and so forth, where millions of houses are required, um, the Bourne's of the world and that kind of level is, is going to provide some of the housing need. But what's really needed is community housing at a much larger scale, affordable housing, either um, through the FLISP, which is affordable housing um, purchasing um, avenues, or through social housing, rental, rental um, housing. And you mm. find that even overseas, the um, institutional investment into affordable housing is increasingly a factor. And mm. um, you know, even, even the affordable housing REITs um, or the REITs, um, property REITs in, in South Africa are increasingly yeah. um, going into the residential sector. And I think that's mm. where the large volume housing is gonna be uh, provided. Um, yeah. And it's, it is gonna be in, in the States or in, because security is the number one need that tenants and, and purchasers have. Right. And I can't see that need changing in any short, in any time soon. Mm. I don't think the I don't think the criminality or a crime is going to go down at any time mm. soon. I'm not trying to be negative. I just know that uh, even it, if yeah. even if things stay the same, you'd still need you still need. I'm not saying that crime's going to get worse, but even if it stays the same or gets slightly better, you're still going to tenants are still wanting that um, uh, perception of security. So yeah. also the government is not providing these the facilities as much as as they, they need to. And therefore, mm. those, a lot of the Bowen developments, for example, and other developments are providing that safe area for the kids or the creches, or right. um, they're providing communities within a development. It's not just housing. Um, mm. And, and that, that's meeting a need which the government is not able to provide at this time. Mm. So it's more than just security. It's actually everything, you know, yeah. whether it's Danfern or whether a lot of these other places, um, these communities, they're providing private schooling, um, uh, affordable private schooling it's yeah. um, it's more than just the, the rooms uh, and places for, to stay that's, that's an interesting concept is also um that you mentioned that the estates are pretty much just like a drop in the bucket of of, of what's necessary um i i do want to say that i think I, I agree with you entirely on on the crime statistic um it's going to be a generational process of um, mm. advancing enough of the population to such a point where resorting to crime is is not necessarily uh, is not necessary um, which is, you know, I almost want to say a completely different discussion, but the point being is that building towards that future uh, with, with sustainable property development and reasonable prices is actually incredibly important as well. Um, and I think managing it to make it easier, or rather, you know, there's, there's different levels of entry. It's like, even if you have affordable housing that you provide for people, for example, we saw it in, I think it was um, Hamanis, they had affordable housing built, but the people get allocated a house according to a lottery. And then those people that don't are, you know, it's completely, you, you want to say it's fair because it's completely by random, but I'll be honest, I'd be disappointed as well if, if I was in that type of situation and I was not the one that was picked. And so the affordable housing that gets built gets, um, you know, attacked. So there's different levels of entry. It's like you can either build houses and give it to people and then the people that don't get those houses for free are, you know, disappointed by it. Or you can build a, a sustainable building up a point to that where you rent first and then when you rent it a couple of times, perhaps you can buy a small apartment. And then once you want to buy a family, or sorry, build a family, you can then buy a house and so on and so forth. 
Um, that's that's a process where I almost want to say the amount of sustainable um, renting uh, options that people have in South Africa is actually incredibly important. And uh, you wrote a book on um, how to become an expert landlord, how to uh, you know, improve that situation and perhaps, you know, that'll actually enable more people to be able to rent. Um, could you just sum up your book or, or rather just tell us what the focus was of, of your book, The Expert Landlord? Yeah, I mean, it's a similar kind of background as to why we develop in Pocket I believe everyone right. can be an expert landlord if they just have the right uh, skills. And what mm -hmm. the book does, I wrote the book, is a very practical A to Z of property management uh, from beginning to end. And it gives um, very, it's in, in my view, extremely simple practical terms as to um, what to do from whether it's to how to place a tenant and how to manage a tenant. And then it's got the, it's in three sections. The first section is just a bit about um, the, the environment, the rental environment when it comes to legislation, uh, what it means to be a good landlord, et cetera. Um, number, the chapter number two or the section number two is about um, how to place a quality tenant, everything from what is a quality tenant to how to do the advertising, how to do the viewings, um, what are the steps to that, the, all the steps in the process, each chapter ends with some steps, and mm. then, um, and even it's got a very, um, very interesting process flow as to how to vet a tenant, how to screen a tenant, and then the, um, the third chapter, well, the third section is about how to keep your tenant happy and how to make sure your property is looked after, um, mm. and then it's everything from how to, how to do maintenance of your property, um, how to do mm. the billing and, and administration, um, and, and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's almost like a handbook, really. It's more, yeah, it's more yeah. a handbook with the practical steps that can be followed. Yeah, you can actually refer to a particular chapter um, mm -hmm. rather than having to read a book from beginning to end. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, uh, and the feedback I've got has been wonderful. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's really been incredibly helpful. For, to, it's just, as I said, it's not because the average landlord is not intelligent enough. They, they really, they're easy, they've got the capability. It's just a question of yeah. giving them the practical skills. Um, and then they're on their own and then they can do it. Bearing in mind, there's, there's actually a huge untapped market, which I'm not sure how to get it into it yet, but it's the township market, which mm. is a lot of subletting happening. Mm. Um, and th that gives extra income to folk and, mm. um, and extra housing. So mm. that's something which, um, which are hopefully in the, in the future that we can get some uh, inroads into. Yeah. Yeah, I will, we'll talk about that shortly, actually. I, I, I want to pivot to something that's related to the township market, and that is that in South Africa, we have um, quite tough or quite strict uh, zoning restrictions in the different areas. And I almost want to say this is this is like a two-part problem. Like one, it's a social part. One, it's a political part. But the social one, it creates a lot of cultural divide and stuff like that. But on the political part, could this could the reason why the tougher zoning restrictions and you know living and buying in estates be so expensive could it be a bit of a corruption on the local or a greater political um, level or or do you think it's more um, why, why do you think there are these tough restrictions and um, and and why estates are so expensive? Um, looks looks I'm not sure on the corruption side of things. Corruption is really in the services side of of the city. I mean, there's corruption yeah. throughout. Um, right. And I mean, for me, it's a fact of life. And reading through the history of Africa, it's, it's very much a systemic issue. Um, mm. Not that it's not in the first world countries as well. But mm. the, the corruption, um, I, would say that, I would say the zoning is important from a city planning perspective. And I don't have a city planning um, degree or expertise, but mm. um, there needs to be zonings because if you just, uh, if you allow development to happen all over the place, um, the provision of infrastructure is not going to happen. It's going to have to be even worse than it is. Um, yeah. And so what you want is you want more and more densification, actually. So it's cheaper 
to service um, those stands and those properties, and also there's less transport for the folk that are living outside to come into the city for work. Um, mm. And even that dynamic itself is creating a challenge in Johannesburg where um, through COVID with the train lines being wrecked up, um, mm. folk in, uh, in the townships are, are now stranded and it's more expensive to come into the city now that the trains aren't working. Um, mm. So, you know, which is a real hazard that many of us, some of us don't have to uh, contend with. Deal with, yeah. Um, mm. Look, look, corruption. Uh, what we're seeing, the cost of corruption is really happening in the provision of services. Now, okay. let's use Johannesburg um, City as, as an example. Um, the, the quality of service is so poor because the infrastructure is quite bad and, therefore, and there's no money and also corruption is, in, is, is disenabling those, those services to be, to be attended to. Um, right. It's also cost from the point of view that the city, service, that the city municipal building is so, is, is, is so um, up the pole. That yeah. if you're managing a property, um, the building is so inaccurate that often the guys are coming to your building to, um, uh, to, to, to disconnect, even though the building is, I just had a problem last week where mm. the building, my building, the build, one of the buildings that we manage is actually up to date with its uh, billing. Um, mm. The guys came along and had disconnected our power because the building next door was, hadn't, hadn't paid the bills. So that was just pure incompetence. So now wow. we need to wheel and deal to try and get our property um, back online. Back on also, power, yeah. coming on site are uh, unashamedly looking for bribes as well. Unashamedly yes. so. They normally yeah. come like four o'clock on the Friday afternoon, yeah. um, even though there might not be problems with your billing. So yeah. the cost of, of owning a property in town, the cost of managing a property because of the corruption and the inefficiencies in the municipal uh, side of things, it, it mm. really increases costs of uh, for 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 an employer uh, for a, an investor. Even right. in Johannesburg, um, even owning my property in in Parkview, there's often good chances that the billing is all up the pole or whatever. Mm. Um, mm. And so the cost of managing and the cost of owning a property is higher because of the inefficiencies and corruption. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. Uh, and more more often than not, the only way to solve your problem is to find your contact within the city to sort it out. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm assuming this is also a bit of um, I want to say that the lines are a bit fuzzy. It's like to 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 pay isn't quite as clear. Some people prefer cash, other people prefer you know EFT or stuff like that. So it's it's also a bit of an accountability issue where hmm. if you have all of this on one platform like the app you described, uh, Pocketlet, then that's a bit more of a data issue. Like there's 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 less gray lines for stuff to be managed with because you can go back to the record and you can tell them, hey, here's the complete sheet on in terms of what the building is, what the service is provided, and what's expected of them. Do you think that'll actually solve a bit of the um, of, of the bribing and the corruption issues if, if you have a good data system or not really? Sure. I mean, the, the city billing is a city billing. I mean, and, and wherever okay. you put the information, whether it's on the email, whether it's on an app, the information is still there. Right. Um, and so what we're saying to landlords now, unashamedly so, is that they need to cost in the cost of managing your property. Um, you need, to, you okay. need to make sure that you're costing your management uh, correctly. Yeah. Um, and in the good old days, five, 10 years ago, we could go to the city or make a phone call and the issue would be sorted out. Nowadays, mm. you need to go 10 times for it to be sorted out if you're lucky. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah. you, just, you just need to throw more resources at the problem. It's a great mm. pity because um, uh, every man for themselves, everyone is just yeah. working for themselves. Look, I think there's mm. a lot of opportunity, um, but many landlords, um, you know, it, it's tough out there at the moment and it's tough for mm. tenants. And the, yeah. we've seen it in the tenant market. The average tenant is is their credit rating is not that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's also yeah, it's, it's a completely different discussion. But it's also something about um, 
like how credit rate is calculated and how it's managed. Some people weren't exactly given the opportunity to create a good credit rate to sell with. So it's a more, it's an incredibly complex issue, especially with housing, where it's that amount of money, that amount of financing, and then the decades it takes to pay it off. That, that entire discussion is, is quite long, um, but important as well. An interesting point, just as an aside, um, obviously I'm an ex Town, I've moved up from Cape Town only seven years ago. Um, mm. So I've seen, you know, the way the Southern suburb of Cape Town works, it, it's a different world. It, it, mm. You get Cape Town, Southern suburbs of Cape Town, and then you get the rest of South Africa. Um, right, yeah. So um, the realities that we're facing, I'm seeing what the um, informalization of services, informalization of businesses, is going yeah. to move more to the suburbs than ever before. So yeah. I'm not seeing the way Cavendish Square uh, or the average southern suburb property is managed in Cape Town is now going to go into the townships and go into Joburg CBD. The opposite, mm. in my view, is happening. So, mm. for example, if I'm in Rosebank Mall and I'm struggling to fill my, my retail mall, mm. uh, Rosebank Mall in, in Johannesburg, which is a, a good quality um, a, a retail mall, I'm going, mm. to, I'm going to fill it with, um, I'm going to fill my unit with a um, Ethiopian retailer who's yeah. going to pay me on a month-to-month basis. Yeah. Um, and, and if that tenant doesn't pay, I'm going to lock them out. Yeah. Now, that wouldn't typically happen in, 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 a, in a retail mall, for example, Cavendish Square. And it wouldn't typically have happened in, in Rosebank. So you're going to see the informalization or more Africanization of Nigerian kind of, the, the way we would, perceive it to be i'm going to see that we're going to see that more as a common analogy mm. and increasingly we're just going to have to make a plan mm. um so i i, I not for me it's not even a negative or positive thing it's a way things are moving yeah. um it's a part of life and, and, yeah 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 that's yeah that's 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 a really important perspective as well i think that's that's a novel perspective um, so you already touched on uh, Baldwin Properties uh, uh, a couple of questions ago, uh, where we talked about their recent plan to build, um, it's, it's, it's been coined by the media um, as a mega city. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's in Gauteng. And um, basically just a bit of background around for those that don't know, uh, Baldwin Properties is a very large uh, property development group, um, which has many, many, many it's, it's, it's operating for a couple of years and has large, large estates. Uh, all around the country. Um, and they, I think it was last year in uh, October, uh, got a project from uh, Cyril Ramaphosa where it's, um, it's, it's, it's touted as an $84 billion project, uh, a property management group, but it's in phases. So it won't start with that. It'll start for about, worth about, I think it's a 10 billion Rand uh, property development project for about 16,000 homes, creating a new um, uh, urban uh, uh, setup, you know, with, with schools and shops and, and housing for about 16,000 apartments. Um, and this is quite an interesting move. Um, it's, it's not something that we haven't seen. We've seen a lot of property development from the government side, but this is quite a singular, you know, large investment and a, and a really big, massive project to create an, um, a, an urban environment, which is more similar to, I want to say, the estates and the, um, the, the more privileged communities uh, for specifically low-income families. But mm -hmm. the, the question that I have is, uh, we, we already talked a bit about security. So the other question that I have is they're planning on pricing these apartments uh, to buy them for about half a million to, I think it's uh, eight, uh, it's, it's like 500,000 Rand to 800,000 Rand. Mm -hmm. um, is that actually targeting the low income families? Like, is that something that they can get a loan for and then pay off reasonably? Or what do you expect to be the, the practical, like the, the theory and the reality um, on these type of development projects? 
Uh, there again, this is, it, it, this is not a, an area which I spend a lot of time in, but my indication is that, for example, right now, the property market under a million rand is doing quite well at the moment. Okay. Anything more than, say, one and a half, two million is really struggling. But the affordable housing market, or that that level, which is seen as affordable housing, is actually very um, is, is doing well. It's thriving. Um, mm. I do think I do think it. You know, with it with a with a growing middle class, I do think it is going to touch a, a massive nerve, and it okay. will fill a massive need. Um, and as we said earlier, I just don't think it's going to it's going to touch the millions of people. I mean, in the Stobic CBD, for example. Um, one of the challenges we have of filling our units is more and more people are making a plan. They've got informal levels of income. They mm. don't necessarily have formal, formal employment. And mm. so it's very difficult to rent to those folk um, with any kind of sense of stability. Mm. So um, I do think the Bowen, I mean, I, I can't speak to them and I, and I don't know enough about the project, but I do think they will touch a good nerve and fulfill mm. a big need. Um, but I think you're going to look, I do agree with you that you need to look at a level lower than that as well. And mm. a lot of the social housing projects, the Social Housing Regulatory Authority, or known as SHRA, there's a lot of background work happening to provide social housing. So we've got some landlords in, in Joburg CBD that are moving their properties towards a SHRA project, which means that um, there's certain banner, uh, levels of, of income which we have to rent to. So a certain percentage needs to go to this level of income, a certain percentage needs to go to that level of income. Um, and I think that will help with providing, it's rental income, it's, it's rental housing, but I think that will provide mm -hmm. some of the lower income housing that's mm -hmm. needed. Mm -hmm. um, but there's different levels of affordable housing. You get the gap housing, you get social housing, uh, and you get uh, affordable housing. Yeah. Um, and so there are different levels. You know, the mm -hmm. level at a, at a 500 rand to a thousand rand a month level, um, there's a big need for that, but that's a very different kind of housing provision. Right, right, yeah. It's it's actually quite interesting that, because I'm, I'm thinking about um, commercial property specifically, um, the next question will be like, what, what, what exactly is the future of commercial property? And what I'm thinking about in that terms is, if you look at, at, at affordable, um, low income family housing in other parts of the world, um, generally the mind first jumps actually to apartments and, and apartment complexes, um, because building high rise buildings, um, you know, if, and fitting like a ton of people in it. If you want to fit that amount of people in a high-rise market building, you can actually do that for a government project more affordable than the amount of land uh, that you use with building out these large estates. Um, I think we're fortunate in South Africa in the sense that we have the land uh, to build out upon it. But obviously the challenges comes when you spread your population out more because then you need proper transport. And then those populations in those large areas also need shops and schools and stuff like that. You can't have an apartment building that's next to a school and that services the same amount as an estate, which you then spread out over a large area. So what exactly do you think is the future of commercial properties? And, and do you think it, it's a safe long-term um, prospect or investment? Um, I think any any niche within property is a safe long-term investment if you know what you're doing. Mm. So, and, and I will answer your, your full question in a second, but um, mm. just as a general principle, I've got landlords that have retreated from residential because it wasn't working for them. They make a lot more money in industrial properties because he knows mm. what he's doing. Um, we've got landlords that are focusing only on inner city housing. I've got landlords that are in the middle market. So they're in Bergfleet. Plumstead in those areas in Cape Town, which is more the, the six to 10,000 rand units. Um, mm. I've got landlords that are only in units below that, mm. so three to 4,000, and each of them are making money in their niches because they know exactly what, what they're doing and they know where the opportunities are and they know how to deal with those kind of markets. Um, mm. Same with commercial. At the moment, I think there's a massive transition in commercial. There's plenty of stories of, 
of, of uh, properties, uh, of companies that are no longer operating from the offices. We, Chorus Property Group is a classic example. We no longer operate from offices at the moment in Joburg and Cape Town. Um, and so that's about six, 700 square meters of property of um, offices that no longer have a tenant in. Um, I, I think there's gonna to have to be a, a large um, pivoting by those owners. Mm. Um, and if I wouldn't really like to be a commercial property owner at this time, um, mm. but I think, I think these guys are resilient and intelligent enough to pivot. And I think mm. one of the ways it's going is to have flexible um, provision of, of, of offices. So I think we at one stage as, prop, as core property group are going to have some offices again, but albeit smaller. Mm. Um, and we want the flexibility of, of leasing and so forth. Mm. Um, and I think there has been a large transition, especially in the Joburg CBD and Randburg, uh, also Johannesburg, Randburg area of converting um, commercial to residential. Mm. Um, there's obviously quite a high cost to that. Um, mm. It's does not done cheaply. And number two is I'm not overly convinced that the tenant market demand for large scale residential developments is, um, is there at the moment because of the toughness of the market. Right. So, I, um, yeah, I think if you're if in commercial, you're going to make a plan and you're going to do mm. long, you, you will make money long term, but right now you're going to pivot uh, quite dramatically and, and quickly. That's, that's an interesting concept as well, because we see a lot of, um, like in terms of commercial property, okay, I think I'm biased because I'm in a completely, like I want to say tech area in terms of where I come from. So a lot of people that I know, especially in COVID, went from a, you know, going to an office every day to an office is not even possible anymore because you have to go, you have to stay in lockdown. So then you work from home. So the residential era is becoming a bit of a commercial property, almost to a sense, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the services that are provided to it, like a good internet connection and so on and so forth. So do you think that like informal, sorry, not informal, it's it's like a flexible commercial property is perhaps a new era for them to go in, something like a WeWork, for example. Yeah, big time. I think you're going to get very different variants of WeWork. WeWork mm -hmm. hit a particular niche and there's plenty of other niches above and below it um, that's required. Um, mm -hmm. Office sharing spaces, people offer sharing spaces, um, mm -hmm. different forms of the WeWork model, I, I definitely mm -hmm. believe is, is the future. Interest, mm -hmm. Interesting enough on the residential side, we actually in the last six months have more need for townhouses than for apartments in Cape Town. Because okay. people are needing slightly bigger spaces than they did before because yeah. they're working from home, which is they quite need an office. So the home. townhouses I think has got a good future because you need a little bit more space because you're working from home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and people also, they, they very much like having a townhouse because, I mean, if you want to build a family or, or if you want a multiple bedroom apartment with, sorry, um, house rather with a study that you can work in, um, yeah. it's, it's a very attractive um, idea, even if you, my point being is that people want that anyways, and now they're working from home. So it's like a justification for that decision. Um, mm -hmm. So it was something that's more motivating than building, you know, buying an apartment in an apartment complex is buying a townhouse and it's, hey, but it's my workspace as well. Um, I, you know, this is completely tangent. I don't know if you know the answer, but do you know if people are um, applying for tax reductions in terms of having an office space at home, if, if that's become a widespread thing? Do you know that or not? No, I, I actually don't know about it, but I'm sure okay. it will be increasingly an issue for sales going forward. Yeah, and I can imagine. Obviously, if you're going to do it, if you, if you own your own home, you've got to be careful of capital gains tax um, ramifications. But if mm. you're renting, then um, I can't see why it can't be a, a tax reduction as, as an expense. Yeah. But I'll leave that to the tax guys. 
Yeah, yeah, no, 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 definitely. Yeah, it's it's just interesting because uh, you know, you always have like you said, South Africans generally they they tend to make a plan uh, and live with the times, and that's one of the plans I've heard about more. It's like, hey, I can suddenly take my study off of my property tax as a workspace. Mm. <laughs> it's it's interesting discussion. Um, anyways, uh, sorry, yeah, you wanted to say something? No, 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 I agree. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to know, uh, what do you see with all the parts that we discussed now, uh, residential and commercial and so on and so forth, uh, what exactly do you see your vision for your companies, uh, especially for a course property group and also Pocketlet as, as from a tech side and the City Hill Foundation? What do you see as the future of your companies? Do you, want, do you want change in South Africa? What type of change in that regard do you think would really boost these companies? And how does your faith inspire you to, to make that change, especially in terms of your City Hill Foundation? Okay, so um, the vision for the companies that I operate or have started and operate or um, are in context of my, the, the purpose I have for my life. Um, and so, I mean, the companies I look after is basically tools to achieve my purpose and those uh, of the folk that are working with me. Um, so that, that's the starting point. The vision is kind of slightly secondary to that. I'll, I'll tell you that now. Um, so the direction, um, so, um, you know, I believe firstly that we're all, all made or created by God for a purpose, every one of us. Um, and so my main purpose is to serve, inspire and empower individuals, teams and organizations to discover and live out their God-given purpose. Mm. Uh, so that individuals, families, communities um, and, and um, cities, nations and regions are transformed for good. Um, so, so everything, so like, and because of the way I'm wired as well, you're more kind of a, a, a practical operational kind of person. I want to create systems which can um, help people to, you know, to do good uh, and to be good. Um, and, if, and if our companies that, you know, we've got at the moment 30 staff, if, if, if them being within our businesses um, help them walk towards their God-given potential, then, then for me, that will be a sense of success. Um, the vision for Chorus Property Group um, is to be a world-class African residential property management and services country, uh, company that mm -hmm. adds value to one million people across our, our continent. Um, okay. And I mean, practically what that means is, I mean, we are at the service of our landlords and we need to provide cost-effective uh, cost -effective solutions for our landlords so that they get the best possible return. But we are a bit of the middleman, and if we can assist, provide homes and suitable homes and communities for, for the people of our continent, that would be that would be brilliant. And we put a number of one million people. Um, but from a chorus perspective, I, I mean, the very first thing I did when I left my dad's company was to buy a map of the world because we were going to be international. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, you know, I started in Cape Town and then came to Joburg seven years ago. And that was always part of the plan. I think in the future, we will, be, we'll, we will have a presence across Africa on a property services mm -hmm. side. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like, um, what's the word, uh, disrupting and those kind of things. I'm not a big fan of those words because like, unless you, for me, it's about providing a more efficient and effective cost-effective solution to mm. add value to people. And if that means disrupting, well, that, that's great. Um, mm. I, I don't believe property services can be completely disrupted like Uber because you still need, I mean, Uber, you still need a taxi. And in essence, yeah. it's a taxi business. And mm. you can see the yeah. quality of the taxis are deteriorating because you, it's very difficult to actually make money out of being a taxi driver or having an yeah. Uber business. 
Um, yeah. And by definition, those, those taxis have to deteriorate because you can't afford to actually get new ones. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a little cynical on that perspective. There's a lot of sexiness on disruption and, and tech development, yeah. which I think is yeah. unnecessary and just sexy mm. sexiness. Um, mm. But can we on the ground provide better housing and better service for our landlords and tenants? Um, and that's what mm. I'm passionate about. If that mm. means building a, an app for landlords uh, through Pocketlet, mm. so be it. Um, but that, that it's a tool to provide the, to provide a solution for the vision. Mm, mm. Um, and then, I mean, City Health Foundation is really um, my long term is to through that tool is to provide um, is to try and make a difference in this country. I mean, my vision is coming from if, if I wanted a comfortable lifestyle, firstly, I would have stayed a stayed in Cape Town, Cape Town, southern suburbs, mm. um, the leafy suburbs and right next to the mountain. I love being on the mountain. If that was my future and I wanted the comfort of that and the, mm. and the white picket fence, I should have stayed there. And that, but that was never my plan. Mm. Um, my faith, what my faith does is that it gets me to live out in faith to walk towards the darkness rather than away from it. Mm. So if there's challenges, when people say there's so many challenges in South Africa, I must go to Australia or Canada. Mm. Um, I've got the exact opposite. There's so many challenges in this country, which means it's a much bigger reason for me to actually stay. Mm. Now, it doesn't mm. mean it's hard and doesn't mean that, uh, doesn't mean that I don't maybe have the long-term um, family wealth that, that would be great. Um, mm. Maybe, but I mean, the, the, the shareholding in our business, for example, it's all, it's, it's 100% into a trust. So mm. my family and I don't actually own anything in our business. Um, mm. Everything we do is is for um, you know the good of the community. Sure, we mm. have a couple of other assets on the side, but um, I'm building this for the good of of this country, and and mm. therefore I must lean into the challenges that this country gives. I mean, I, I, will, I used to run in Cape Town, Southern Suburbs, and on the mountain. Now mm. I run sometimes the Jobic CBD, which is which makes Calcutta look like a, a, like you know, yeah. um, <laughs> and. Yeah. And you see the brokenness there and it just, it just makes you weak. And, and you mm. say, okay, well, how can we have a bit of a solution? And for me to mm. say only to live in my nice little comfort zone, um, I, I just don't think is, I don't think is, is, um, is honoring at the moment. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't like my bit of my own comfort and we don't live a nice lifestyle. But mm. um, anyway, this is going on a tangent, but I, I think especially mm. we as, as, as privileged whites, and I don't mean that privilege from a political perspective. I mean, mm. we really are, um, we have got things good. And it doesn't mean that my grandfather didn't sacrifice everything. It doesn't mean my, yeah. my dad didn't sacrifice a hang of a lot to get where we are now, uh, which my dad really did. Um, mm. And my parents really did. But I'm standing on their shoulders. And now mm. what can I give outwardly to the community um, mm. in making a difference as opposed to just complaining? And it's also, it's also, I, I, I want to hammer on um, your practical approach um, to solving these type of issues. It's, it's so incredibly important that people understand that whilst trying, um, whilst trying to be charitable or improve in a community, um, the way in which this done, the way in which this is done sustainably is through an economical, economically viable business solution. Um, so, you know, I, I want to say like, South Africans, we, we like to complain a lot about the amount of money that's being wasted uh, in our country and whether it be tax dollars or, um, you know, whether it be, uh, a, you know, a corruption, bribes and stuff like that. Um, but 
we, as long as the money is being applied in a way that makes a difference and that can keep making a difference for generations to come, like you said, you stood on the shoulders of, of, of your forefathers, like that's an environment that we uh, thrive and appreciate in. So mm-hmm. being economically, uh, sorry, being um, like almost want to say capitalistic and being successful economically and having a viable business system is something that could be in um, some uh, social circles be seen as something that's negative. But in practice, the, the, the perspective should be changed to see something, hey, this is actually something that can build more. You can, you can build, continuously build on success um, as long as it is a success to start with. A great example is actually my dad's company. He's got about 150 staff. In yeah. the past year, they, they, uh, in the past few years, um, they financed 272 people outside the business mm-hmm. uh, through because they had to have certain B points, but you would do it anyway, um, where you have to finance certain people and organizations. And mm-hmm. that profit could be going to his pocket, but that, mm-hmm. that, that money from the profit is going into the good of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, many, many business leaders are, are taking it all for themselves, but there's also similarly many business leaders that are actually sacrificing a lot for the good of those uh, around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think it, I think having, and this is where our faith comes in. I think this is super mm-hmm. important in that, do we have a sacrificial mindset? Um, mm. and, and I think there's a lot to complain about, and I do get cheesed off every now and again um, with, with, uh, with, with the corruption and the inefficiency that we see. Yeah. At the same time, I'm happy to, to cross a red robot, you know, mm. uh, yeah. in general, because I have to, because yeah. of security. But there's many things that we as, as, as privileged folk are doing, and we complain about the government, but we actually, if we look at ourselves, we aren't actually necessarily um, Angels you know, either. inside because um, our suggestions, they're not rules. Mm. And, and sometimes we as guilty. So let's look at mm. ourselves from a humble perspective as well um, mm. and see what added difference we can make as opposed to only complaining. I'm not saying there's a lot of mm. justification for complaining, but let's also be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's fantastically important. Thank you so much. That's a fantastic message to end off on. I want to give you one last chance to, to add anything that you'd like to or plug anything that you'd like to. I think just, um, I think... I think if we can only just remember that we each God's made us, put us in this time and place. He's given, he's, he's, he's made me a white male in Joburg, in South Africa at this time, not 10, 20 years ago, not 20 years time. And what is my purpose within this time and place that God's placed me in? And, and if each of us can ask that question, have a vision and see what those visions are and then trust God for solutions to those problems that, that God shows us. Because obviously he's going to be the answer to those problems, but can we trust to be God's hands and feet to be some of those uh, uh, solutions uh, to the problems that we see? Um, and then just the second thing is so knowing our vision and, being, and knowing our purposes, number one. And number two is having a, uh, a growth mindset where number one is we're building our character and we, we're building our humility and our character because God will only give us things to steward if, if, if we are suitable stewards to actually be given that opportunity mm. to look after mm. things for him. And, and growing in competence is, mm. is constantly having a humble attitude to learn and grow and to get mm. more skills. I might be the world's best, um, most Christian um, heart surgeon, but if I don't know how to do heart surgery, I'm not exactly going to be a good heart surgeon. So no. I need to have the character, uh, no. but I also need to have the skill set in the areas that God's called me to. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we, we just want to thank uh, David for sharing um, his worldview with us. Um, I just want to say to those viewers, if you've made it this far, you most definitely like the video. So please, it supports our channel so much. If you, if you like and subscribe, you, you know the spiel on YouTube. And also for, as we said, you know, any solution, any sharing of, of, of worldviews as, world as we like to do needs to be economically viable, uh, please consider donating on our Patreon. It's a platform that enables us to make more uh, of these products and improve, uh, improve our equipment uh, doing so. Um, so until then, uh, thank you so much. Uh, until next, Phil, you.